0: Hey, Scooby! Scooby, Scooby-Doo, looking for you. Scooby, Scooby-Doo, where are ya? Scooby, all the time here, waiting for you. Couldn't have a show without you, Scooby!
1: went well, because Jackie kept phoning up, needing this and needing that. It was strange, the amount of things that needed doing. It's like that flat was jinxed. It's weird, these fuses. They keep on blowing. Must be near a substation. Then you get the power surges still. There we go. Fixed.
0: There we are. A little reward for my favourite handyman.
1: I shouldn't really, I've got the car outside.
0: What you could always splash out on a taxi or whatever. See what happens.
1: Right. Cheers.
0: Cheers.
1: Very nice. What's that? French?
0: I suppose so. They know how to do things. The French.
1: Is it from Rose? I mean, is she in France?
0: My daughter won't be coming back tonight, just in case you're wondering. We've got the place to ourselves.
1: Right. Nice music. Il Divo. Yeah. Live from Jackie Tyler's Dirty Knicker Basket, it's Doctor Who Podshock. (laughs) Woo!
0: Scooby-Scooby-Doo, looking for you. Scooby-Scooby-Doo, where are you? Over here. All the stars are here, waiting for you. Couldn't have a
2: show without you. Scooby-Doo.
3: This is Dr. Who Pachak, episode 45. Joining us here uh, is my, well, I should say is uh, James Norton, our usual uh, host here. Ken cannot make it today, but we'll have Ken later on in a pre-recorded segment. And live with us, we're also delighted to have uh, both Mike Duran, our uh, Canadian correspondent, and uh, Colin, who goes by the name Abisoc, on our forums uh, with us as well for the first time. Welcome, both of you.
1: Hello. Hi. Hi thank you.
3: It's good to have you both live and... Well, I keep on saying that because I'm so used to Colin being recorded, so... <laughs> it's nice to be live. <laughs>
4: <laughs> live. Pre-recorded for the uh, listeners.
3: <laughs> and I, of course, I think I failed to introduce myself as Lewis Trapani. Hello. Hello.
4: <laughs> yeah, so... Uh let's jump right into the news then guys as uh as usual it's been quite a, a slow news week me and lewis were just talking about it off air we thought that there was more news this week but it turns out that it's uh, yeah
3: i mean the, the week started off as a very you know high news <laughs> we thought we were going to have a lot of news to cover uh but then the, i guess the news that did come out is substantial so it's um you know i guess we just assumed that we'll have more to cover but not to belittle the news. Um, I guess the, the first thing that we're really excited about is the invasion announcement the the DVD release of invasion, which will include, uh, animated segments to make up for the lost episodes. And there's a 30 second teaser available, um, for the invasion reanimated. They're calling it, um, available to view on the BBC website, the, the doctor who website. And, um, so what do you guys think I think this is this is really uh, great news yeah
4: it's absolutely awesome and I mean uh, the people who are animating it uh, are Cosgrove Hall, who were a, a very famous uh, British animation company and they do do a, a spectacular job of cartoons and stuff that I mm-hmm. used to watch when I was a kid. Did-
3: were they responsible for Danger Mouse? Yeah, they were yes, responsible for Danger
4: Mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were responsible for Count Ducula. Yeah, they, they did yes, Count Duckula. Yeah, Ducula.
3: that was a spin-off of Danger Mouse. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and uh, and don't forget Cholton and the things. Wheelies. <laughs> what was that? I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. What was that? No, it was, no, that a, um, was Cholton and the Wheelies, which was a very famous kids' program in the 1970s. Oh, Colin. Yeah. All right,
3: thanks.
4: <laughs> but yeah, the <laughs> the animation just look judging it. I mean, of course, we've only seen a 30-second clip, but it does look fantastic with the Cybermen coming up out of the sewer and stuff. It's just incredible.
3: Yeah, we yeah. should explain that the Invasion is a Patrick Troughton's, you know, the second Doctor story that, that features the Cybermen, and um, I, I believe it introduces the Brigadier—well, he's not the Brigadier there, but the, the character, Lethbridge Stewart, um, before he became the Brigadier. No, he is the,
5: he is the Brigadier in Invasion.
4: Was, his, I yeah, thought he was. His right. title was different. No, he was, no the, he, he was. He was in a previous episode, and then he came back. So this, I think, this was like the second episode that he was in. And he, he'd been. But I, and so
3: his rank wasn't brigadier, is what I'm getting
4: at. No, no, it, it is an invasion. It's brigadier. Yeah, it, it is. is. It is. I, right. I, I watched it. Um, I think about a week ago. So I think it is. Yeah. Correct All right. me if I'm I, wrong.
3: <laughs> s- no, for some reason I thought he wasn't a brigadier yet. Then he was. Yeah, he, I don't know what his title he's was. A, and... He's a
5: colonel in Web of Fear. And then comes back as a oh, brigadier in okay. Invasion. What I'm,
3: all right. Okay. Then that's what I'm thinking of. And then, and then he played another character with Hartnell um, that wasn't the brigadier at all. That wasn't Lethbridge-Stewart. Yeah. Okay. I stand corrected. <laughs> it's been a while since I saw the Invasion. Uh, I'm sorry. It's
5: it's my favorite story. So I'm uh, I'm always big on Invasion. It's counts no, too. It's, that's, it's, that's, uh, yeah.
3: It's it's a great story. I'm I'm very excited that they're giving this treatment. Uh, to the story and I'm hoping that this may become something that they'll do for other stories that have lost episodes and um, you know and bring them out on DVD. It's interesting
5: yeah. that the, the clip they've released is of course an animation of a part of the story that's not actually missing so it gives you uh, a comparison to look I and mean, you, you see how great the style of the animation is mm-hmm. going to be but also yeah. because you can compare it to something that you already know so mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it, I guess it, it gives us a good benchmark for uh, yeah, I, for the the look of the story because obviously mm-hmm. once the DVD comes out, the animated parts will be the episodes we've never seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mm-hmm. thought maybe that was deliberate just for that, for the point that you were making right there. So you can see, you know, you had some basis of comparison.
5: Yeah, yeah. And the, that's such an iconic, all the, the iconic shots of the Cybermen coming out of the sewers and and in front of St. Paul's. So.
4: Mm-hmm. So. And it's nice that it's all in black and white as well.
5: Yeah, yes. yes,
4: they 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 didn't want to change it because it's so atmospheric the way. Well, the invasion is anyway, but it's even more so because the way that they've been able to uh, do it in the animation, and I think you'll with the lightning and stuff, you'll you'll see if you watch the clip. I think, which is, mm. you can get such a better um, atmosphere. I think with black and white stuff. Sometimes, even more so than colour, sometimes because it 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 just adds a whole darkness to the the episodes. I think. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool.
5: And, and if it's successful, the the the, the sky's the limit. For have still got more than a hundred episodes of Doctor Who missing that uh, you know maybe could be in for this treatment.
4: Hopefully, so. I'm
3: hoping so. Yeah, um, this is great news.
4: I guess it'll be kind of like testing the water with it as well to see how successful it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's a, a big hit, then of course then I expect they will do a lot more. Um, but just to mm-hmm. read a bit from the BBC website, it said uh, says that Cosgrove Hall's lead animator Steve Maher found the job of recreating a black-and-white TV adventure a slightly surreal experience but explains that uh, animating Patrick Troughton's Doctor was a real treat. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I guess he, he does have a really cool... Uh, I've always loved... Uh, this is going to sound really w- a, a really weird thing to say, but Patrick Troughton just looks great on camera. That um, His face, just, this, it's just got such character, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he really... He doesn't have to say anything at all. Um, to convey such emotion, which I think is uh, quite difficult, I suppose, if for other actors. But his. He's... Go on, uh, Mike. Sorry. Right, yeah.
5: Yeah. His face. It's like the adage: uh, "Picture has a you know, has a thousand words." that's yeah. it. it's The amount. Yeah. The amount
1: it says to you. Yeah. yeah. And he has a look that very much suits the animation of this um, these two episodes. Because from the look of it, the um, animation from the last time they've sort of helped Doctor Who with the, um, what was it, Scream of the Shalker, I think, where it was all sort Mm -hmm. of cardboard cut-out sort of characters just moving. This looks like it's much more movement animated in it and looks like it's going to be a much higher quality production.
4: Yeah, because I think Cosgrove Hall did Scream of the Shalker, but I think... Sharder, which was one where it was, as you say, really static. It was just, mm-hmm. I think, it was some bloke's drawings. I can't remember yeah. who it was, mm-hmm. um, but the, I think Cosgrove Hall did do *Scream of the Shalker, So, because I remember, because um, even the, I know it's not, I don't know what Doctor to call him, but some some people have called him like the alternative Ninth Doctor, I suppose, played by uh, Richard E. Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a very similar face, I thought, to as soon as I saw him, just looking at his face, I thought, oh, that looks kind of like Patrick Troughton, just with the high cheekbones and the eyes and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, if it's going to be anything like The Scream* of the Shalker, it should be really good. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. It, yeah.
3: You know, And and it was in an earlier pod shock we were mentioning how, the you know, we were drawing some sort of comparison between the, and I don't know if this is premeditated or not, between the DVD releases this year seemed to complement some of the stories that were uh, going on in the 2006 series with David Tennant. You had um, Hand of Fear, which was the, you know, the goodbye episode for Sarah Jane Smith. And, of course, we've seen Sarah Jane Smith return and referencing back to, you know, when she was left. Supposedly in South Croydon, which it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we had that uh, uh, invasion. No, not inv- um, um, Inferno, which uh, is another alternate universe type of story, which is sort of reflects back to Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel, where it's an alternate Earth, and um, and we, com- we we commented that there were no Cybermen stories being released, and so it's good to see that um, that indeed we are getting a Cyberman story. Mm,
4: mm. Yeah, well, long, so- long
5: long overdue
4: Yes So then, uh, unless anybody else wants to say anything else about that We could move on to the next news item
0: mm-hmm.
4: Which is uh, that Doctor Who is going to be getting, uh, albeit briefly, uh, a new producer uh, So of course, during the next series of Doctor Who, by that I mean, I, I mean the third series Um, There's going to be a new producer who's going to uh, take over the role of uh, Phil Collinson, who is the current producer of Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he's going on holiday for a short Mm -hmm. period. Um, So Susie Liggett will be uh, taking over his responsibilities. Um, But, of course, uh, executive producers uh, Julie Gardner and, and Russell T Davies will stay in their current roles... Uh, But Susie's worked on all sorts of different things, uh, from actual films to to television itself, uh, from things like the Magdalena sisters. uh, Yeah, beautiful thing. She's even worked with uh, Russell T Davies before on Casanova, which starred um, David Tennant. So Mm -hmm. it's really cool, and um, I'm going to be interested to see what sort of a... Uh, influence she has on the show mm-hmm. even though it will probably be only for a few episodes i would imagine um, yeah
3: it's, it doesn't really indicate for how long um you know how long phil will be away so it's um, we can only speculate
4: mm, indeed but um, i'm i'm it could be that maybe he's taking a break for the series or maybe he's, it could be. he's yeah, taking I mean, a break for six months or who I knows? mean,
3: we're, we're hoping that the BBC will be announcing uh, um, maybe, ne- you know, sometime next year or preferably sooner that there'll be a Series 4 since they announced Series 3 so far ahead of time. So, um, you know, I'm sure there, there will be and uh, maybe Phil will be back for Series 4.
4: Yeah, because sometimes the Beeb uh, is quite politically correct or... I don't know if "politically correct" is the right um, phrase to use, but they can sometimes kind of like uh, sugar the pill by say, by meaning. Uh, in this instance, I think "holiday" might be a euphemism for "oh, he's got another job somewhere else," or mm-hmm. you know, he might decide to leave the show, or who knows? It, it wouldn't surprise me if if they said that. I mean, we're just speculating. Um, Yeah, so I'm not saying that he's definitely leaving or anything, but you know, when the announcement
3: about Christopher Eccleston leaving, there were you know, you know, the the sugar coating to that as well, perhaps.
4: Yeah, euphemisms, and even to to a lesser extent, I suppose. billy piper to begin with the bbc were completely denying or didn't want to comment yeah
3: well it was the beginning of the series that they released that press release saying that she's going to be on board for series three for the you know that both david Tennant and billy piper will be um in you know the 2007 series
1: yeah which maybe they just wanted to deflect some of the attention that they got with them Uh, Christopher Eccleston because if they actually said she's definitely here then it would have got rid of all of that speculation which I think would have been building up as the series went on
5: Yeah, Yeah, Nobody Mm -hmm. wants to be bothered all year with Every time every time they launch a new episode, questions about Billy Piper leaving. I think, you know, yeah. stick to the stick to promoting the show and worry about who's staying and who's going at
4: the end. That's yeah. it. And I think the BBC were really annoyed that the information that Christopher Eccleston was leaked, because uh, it was leaked. They didn't want to tell anybody about it because I think it was, I think it was, reported on. Either slightly before or shortly after the first episode, it was it immediately
1: aired. afterwards because I remembered reading it, and mm-hmm. I remember at the time I was I was actually livid when I heard because I felt oh big actor uses it for his CV and then buggers off basically. But um, yeah,
4: and I think the BBC didn't want that to be the case with Billy obviously because it's kind of it also it's it's an anti-climax because it means that you're not going to be as excited about the show if you think that. If you know that Billy's going to be leaving, then it's
1: kind of like, oh, well, what's the point? uh, Well, it just becomes like... It just becomes like a sort of another soap opera where if you happen to go into a supermarket or something... I've stopped watching soap operas because you can't walk into a shop or a supermarket without seeing the plots plastered all over the front pages, and I wouldn't want to see something like Doctor Who turn into that where you know what's going to happen long before it even happens. Yeah.
4: Yeah,
5: for all that does... For all that does leak, it's amazing how much that they do keep under wraps. I think. Yeah. The, the I know that with, with certainly with when Eccleston left, uh, the they they heard that you know they found out that a tabloid had it, so they they had a, a hastily put together press release, which uh, you know, in the end turned out wasn't true, and they had to apologize for it. But you know, the, I think the same thing here. With Piper, uh, a tabloid had the information, mm-hmm. so they had yeah. to they had to come forward and say out. something because yeah. mm-hmm. if if they don't, then the, the tabloids
3: will.
1: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I'm amazed that they actually kept a lid on that story for as long as they did because oh, yeah. um, she's been filming in Liverpool for at least two or three weeks before the news came out on on the next thing that she's in which is A Ruby in the Smoke. Which is one of the Philip Pullman um, books which is ah. apparently a trilogy.
4: Mm. That's going to be cool. But here, here we are speculating entirely and coming up with all sorts of conspiracy theories. I'm sorry, guys. But uh, I'm sure that uh, Susie's going to be fantastic because just looking at her credits um, is really, really cool. And, and Phil obviously deserves a holiday because he's, he's done such a spectacular job. Well, everybody who's worked on the past two series have. And, yeah, I mean... Uh,
5: yeah, Phil's, Phil's the guy who's out there. I think, I think he doesn't get enough appreciation sometimes. So Russell gets, uh, gets obviously, deservedly Russell gets a lot and Julie Gardner gets a lot. But I mean, Phil's the guy out there in the middle of the night in the cold actually producing yeah, the goes. show. He's the
3: hands, he's the hands on guy.
5: Yeah. And he, he makes, he, he makes it happen on screen. Uh, it's, uh, I don't want to denigrate, uh, the writing process or any of that end. But, uh, mm-hmm. Phil's the guy it's, it's his job to actually get it on the screen and get it paid for. And uh, you know, with the amount of money he's provided with,
4: <laughs> yeah,
5: it's, that's it's right. One th- yeah, it's one thing to write a write a crazy, you know, write something like uh, *Impossible Planet*, *Satan Pit*, but he's the guy that has to has to make it happen. And definitely. so yeah, he definitely, I I think that uh, it sounds like he he started work on series one and then work, almost worked right through until they finished. Uh, they're finishing up series two. I don't think he had much of a break off between uh, the two series.
3: It's, no, because so, the yeah they butted up against each other and and now um it, 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 i mean that the schedule is just as intense this year because um, as soon as this series i mean they're already um you know working on um they're going ahead to work on um the, you know the next series and and the christmas special and then obviously torchwood and mm-hmm. yeah i, mm-hmm. I
5: guess the, the probably the first uh, production block for series three and the next christmas special were are just a few weeks away
3: mm-hmm.
5: yes yeah that's yeah. it's it's amazing
4: but it's, he also seems like, a whenever you, I see him interviewed on things like uh, The Confidentials, uh, he always seems like such a, a mellow chap, such a, a really chilled, cool mm-hmm. g- guy. Way back. Which you wouldn't have thought um, that he would be if he's out there in the, in the freezing cold, um, trying to record stuff on a tight schedule time-wise and a tight budget as well. You would have thought that he'd be, um, you know, really concerned, but he always seems to be really mellowed out and really, really professional. So,
3: mm-hmm.
4: you know, hats off to the man. I don't think I could do it if I was in his position. I'd probably be uh, worried all the time.
5: Yeah, and he's a real, he's a real old-time Doctor Who fan too. And you hear him talk on the, especially on the commentaries, the stuff. He knows he grew up with Doctor Who, and he wasn't just somebody I think uh, was just watching Doctor Who like so many other people. He was a. It sounds like he was a real big fan. And uh, mm-hmm. I read in one interview he was a member of the Leeds Doctor Who local group back in the nineteen eighties. So,
3: oh really? I mean, he's mm-hmm.
5: old time Doctor Who fan. Mm. Which uh, which which is always cool when you hear uh, so many these, so many fans who've gone on to make the show right up to the top level. Mm.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what's so good about the series today is that it's it is made by so many fans that have a passion for the series and that grew up with it, and um, which is marvelous.
1: Mm.
4: Right. But you know. I'm also quite a a big fan of Phil Collinson anyway, because he's, he's from my city and he's a Yorkshire lad and he's worked on things like Emma Dale which is filmed just down the road from me and all sorts. So, you know, I'm a big fan of his work. and uh,
3: Yeah, he does that song, to stu, stu Studio, right? Uh... <laughs> I'm kidding you, that's Phil <laughs> Collins <laughs>
4: Yeah, he was the drummer from Genesis and uh, did the... Uh, the, the the soundtrack to Tarzan and all that. He's got several Oscars to his name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
5: Uh, so I hadn't realized, actually, that he'd worked on Emmerdale. He must have been there at the same time when uh, there, was, there was a point there in the late 90s where Emmerdale was being written by a whole bunch of Doctor Who fans led by Gareth Roberts.
4: Yes. and uh, Rebecca yeah.
5: Levine and Lance Parkin and Robert Perry and so many, the entire writing staff, the storyline people were all Doctor Who fans. <laughs> so it sounds like he might have been there around that time.
4: <laughs> and it's its mm-hmm. quite weird because we were just talking about
1: soaps as well, just briefly before, and uh, yeah. Well, apparently, according to Wikipedia, um, one of the roles in the British version of uh, the drama series Queer as, Re- as Folk was written especially for him by Russell T. Davis. Oh, right, um, but then when Anthony Cotton, who played, um, he played Sean, I think, in Coronation Street. Um, the, uh, he it was a gay actor and sort of an out-gay actor. When he auditioned for the role, they kind of figured, oh, actually, he is really good for it. So they gave it to him instead. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Fair enough.
2: I
3: did not know that. It's uh, good to know.
1: There we go. Teaching you something every day on PodShock.
3: <laughs> That's why we have you here. <laughs> so, um, moving along uh, to wrap up the news, we have uh, we wanted to mention some Torchwood updates, and uh, this news comes from Outpost Gallifrey, um, who they themselves are reporting that Doctor Who magazine um, are um, reporting that there's the, the the regular cast members for Torchwood, the uh, the the complete regular cast members, the complete cast that is, uh, have yet to be announced. Um, we know about John Barrowman, Eve Smiles, um, um, I'm going to get her name wrong, Nayako Mori, yeah, uh, and um, and Bern Gorman are you know are all cast, but there will be others. It's um, will be an ensemble cast, to our understanding. The filming will begin. The second um, will will soon begin for the second production block, which includes the third episode, "The Ghost Machine" by Helen Rayner, uh who's no stranger to Doctor Who. Um, the eighth episode, "Geeks Bearing Gifts" by uh, Toby Whithouse, or Whitehouse. Uh, again, he's uh, no stranger to Doctor Who either, um, and they're both directed by Colin Teague and Block 3 beginning production with James Strong um, who did the Possible plan and Satan Pit who will be directing that
4: Cool Good to know, it's always exciting to hear uh, new stuff about Torchwood because um, uh, well obviously it's, I think that the BBC are wanting to kind of push forward that it, is, that it will be its own uh, independent show but at the same time it's nice that it's got such cool links back to Doctor Who and there's there's people from Doctor Who are, are writing for the series. Murray Gold will probably be doing the music. Um, you know, it, it's just great that they've, they've got that link back to uh, Doctor Who, which I think is nice compared to uh, other programs which will kind of go off and do something completely different and will never like revisit its roots, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course Uber. this
3: whole... Okay. Year we've been forward linking to Torchwood in Doctor Who, uh, with a mention of it in almost every episode. Obviously, the Christmas Invasion, Torchwood played a big part at the end of that, mm. um, even though they were unseen. And then the end, the climax of, of this series will Torchwood will, will once again be playing a a pivotal role in um, in, in next week's episode, Army of Ghosts,
4: mm. which yeah. looks awesome. I'm just it looking does. at yes. the, uh, yeah. the, the yeah. preview. Or trailer or whatever you want to call it. Um, the um, the TARDIS a bit weird, though. Oh, uh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I don't know if if Mike or Colin has seen it, but I I, don't I know did. I what saw it just before. Yeah, saw it last night. So, but it's I, it's. I mean, I don't want to say anything just in case, because I know certainly some people don't uh, don't like to watch the previews or the TARDIS for fear of spoiling things, but just as a spoiler warning you know i i think it's going to be awesome and i think it's it's quite surprising to me that um it's been revealed in the in the preview that the cybermen are returning um but it's 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 hinted of course in the doctor's words that uh, they're going to be uh, that they i can't remember what his exact words now what did he say something about another world and i think i know which one it is that sort of thing so, I was this in the
1: preview last night?
4: Yes. Yeah. I th- he said. He said briefly. He mentioned uh, that they were coming through from another world, and he thinks he knows which one. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of hinting at the Cybermen, and then there's this whole scene with uh, them coming through in these plastic sheets, which I thought is quite cool and and, and uh, almost. Uh, a reference back to so many other um Doctor Who stories like Earthshock and stuff like that where they're they're ripping through plastic and so on. Mm. Um, I don't know how that'll all play out and obviously we don't know how Rose is going to step down from the show and could speculate all the time. But I'm I'm just really excited about it and uh, I know that certain fans have thought that the past uh few episodes uh, have been a bit lacklustre. Well, we'll get onto that in our review segment this week, as we'll be reviewing um, Love and Monsters um, in a moment. But
3: mm-hmm. you
4: know, I think it's nice that because people have been moaning to me because they obviously know that I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. <laughs> um, just generally, even my friends will say the last few episodes of Doctor Who, even though they're not like they would not never claim to be Doctor Who fans. They just watch it because they 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 like it but you know they're not going to get so upset if the episode isn't up to its usual standard or whatever but when you think back over this series there really has been some fantastic episodes and i think maybe people are kind of getting things out of proportion because when you think back to the first series there were some pretty rubbish episodes compared to the usual standard and I think that's been true of this series. So you know, you can't expect for fantastic episodes.
3: Well, it's because cortices. the bar was raised so high exactly. that people are, are yeah. complaining about how bad things had gotten recently. So uh, yeah, that's the- yeah, I'm not, I'm not complaining.
5: I think that almost every episode's terrific. So
4: yeah, I'm not complaining either. But uh, you know, we'll, we, I guess we'll talk more about that in uh,
3: well, well, to that end. I do want to give a a spoiler warning to those um, who may not have seen Love and Monsters. And um, we're going to go into we're going to we're going to take a break and come back and we're going to uh, go into reviewing Love and Monsters. And so if you, you know, if you skip ahead, you know, for those that don't want to hear anything about, you know, Series 2 or the 2006 series or whatever. Yes. And um, though this whatever we talk about was pretty much going to be pertaining to that episodes, it's pretty much a self-concealed um you know episode yeah Yeah. and uh we may talk a little bit about fear her so that's just a fair warning as well
4: yeah yeah but before we do go sorry to interject uh, Mm there lewis sure um is there anything uh that you chaps mike and colin would like to report on i know you guys have got your uh fingers pretty close to the doctor who buzzer in terms of news and so on um, you, you're well on the pulse of things. Is there anything, any other news that we've missed out this week? As uh...
1: The only thing I've noticed is, um, for all the Big Finish fans, that the Big Finish website has been updated um, with oh, cool. news of the next release, which is going to be starring the uh, seventh Doctor, which is called Simply Red. And stars um, Sandy Toxvig, who might be known more to British people um, as a <laughs> former children's TV presenter and now more yes. sort of a journalist. Um, that Apart and also from call my bluff, of course. Oh yes, obviously. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> Doctor Who fans the world over will know that one.
6: <laughs> um, and.
1: Of course, the current one that is out at the moment, if I can just find it, that has come out, is an 8th Doctor audio called Something Inside, which for anybody who is a subscriber to Big Finish, they get um, a special copy which has been autographed by India Fisher, who uh, hmm. plays the Doctor's assistant in it. So I got mine the other day, and I'm quite shocked. Mmm, awesome. Thanks, Colin. Still... I, would have, that, I would have completely uh, missed that. hmm
3: and still no word if there 's going to be another Sarah Jane Smith series.
1: No, not yet. So if anybody from Big Finish is, <laughs> if anybody from Big Finish is listening, um, then you know get your act together, mates, because I think it, it <laughs> need, i don 't want to have to storm out again, you know <laughs> <laughs> he wants to do his reviews.: <laughs> Yes we need
3: more Colin here. we need, <laughs> we need him to do these continued reviews. <laughs> all right so we're gonna uh take a break and we'll come right back uh we're gonna be joined when we do come back with ken ken's not here with us live um while we're recording so we did a pre-recorded segment uh with ken with his comments and uh his review of um he and i go at it with love and monsters and uh yes and then when um that's over we'll be continuing the discussion here in our live recording with Colin and Mike and James and myself. Oh, and we're also going to, we'll also have Joe, who goes by the name of Omega on our forums, who's uh, participated in the shows, in past Pachok shows. Um, He's done reviews of Big Finish, speaking of Big Finish. And um, he'll be joining us as well. So we'll be right back.
0: Master Pachok is on. Advice listening immediately.
2: You've doubled with
1: aliens. Now meet the genuine article. Oh my
2: God! A thing. A thing. This thing is my true form. Better than that crude pink shape you call a body.
1: What happened? Where am I?
0: Ursula? Is that you? That's Mr Skinner. What have you done to him? I've absorbed him. Colin? Is that you?
1: Colin? Bridget, my love. Oh, my God. That's Bridget. Colin, where are you? I'm here, Bridget. It's all right. I'm close. You've absorbed them both. What about Bliss? Where is she? <coughs> I
0: said you really don't want to know. i absorbed him. He's some sort of absorbathon, an absorberling. An absorber Yes, I like that. Let them go. I'm ordering you. Let those people go.
1: Oh, but they taste so sweet. Just think about the doctor. Oh, how
0: will he taste? All that experience, all that knowledge. And if I've
2: got to absorb Jackie Tyler to get to him, then so be it. Don't you?
0: Such a slow and clumsy beast!
2: Please go ahead, (laughs) me!
1: Well then, give them back.
2: What? You
1: mean like this? (laughs) Just one touch! That's all it takes!
0: I'm oh, so sorry, you can't touch me. Hush you up. Most likely to fight back indeed. Leave her alone! Oh, yes.
3: Son, that's not fair! It's like chicken. We're back with Doctor Who Podshock, and this is our feature segment. And we're going to take this opportunity, opportunity to review Doctor Who, Love and Monsters. And we, as I said earlier in today's show, that Ken wasn't able to join us in this recording, but I did uh, did do a, uh, a recording with Ken just last night. And we're going to um, have Ken and myself. Uh, we're going to review Love and Monsters, and then as soon as um, we're done, all of us here that are live in this recording, oh, let me also, I, I can't believe I almost forgot, also joining us is uh, Joe, who um, goes by Omega on our forums, and you remember—you may remember Joe, in past shocks he's done some big finish reviews, I believe one of them was uh, Spare Parts, the Cybermen story, and um, so hello, Joe.
2: Hello, everyone. Hello. So Joe, hello. hi.
3: So, Joe is with us along with Colin, uh, Colin Abisak in the UK, James also in the UK, Mike Duran uh, in Canada, our Canadian correspondent, also um, the public uh, relations uh, person for DWIN, Doctor Who Information Network, and uh, myself, you know me, Louis Trapani. So, uh, without any further ado, let's get Ken, let's go back in time to last night, Uh, but for you listening, that's Probably like a week ago. (laughs) And um and let's see what Ken and I had to say about Love and Monsters and we'll continue the conversation after that. Okay, joining us here at Doctor Who Joining (laughs)
0: us as if I'm not a regular.
3: Well, <laughs> Ken couldn't be on the show today for the whole entire <laughs> show. So what we're doing, uh, so just so that Ken's not completely absent from the show, um, I'm going to be talking with Ken today and we're going to be talking about, uh, the most recent, uh, Doctor Who episode, if you will. And, uh, then we're going to go back with James and I and continue the conversation from there.
0: So, uh, I'm going to say some inflammatory things so that you guys will we'll have something to talk about tomorrow. <laughs> and if, well, first off, I'm, I'm just glad that I'm able to you know, join the show. This weekend's pretty busy. I have some appearances connected with the Hair Hut and stuff. So, uh, But I was really dying to be on the show because of this. <laughs> what what Lou described as controversial episode.
3: Oh, I didn't say anything. To, I didn't say that.
0: But so, you, you know, you didn't. Um, you you I, didn't say anything controversial. Well, uh, before we go
3: any further, I sh- we should also just explain that uh, if if, you're, if Ken sounds stranger than normal today, it's because he's <laughs> coming through uh, the telephone pipe that is, and so, um, so it's um. It's, I'm, I'm he, using
0: he's, Alexander Graham Bell's. Um <laughs>
3: Invention. Invention, yeah. Yeah. So, so um, we spare no we, expense with technology here.
0: First, before we start on, on speaking about love and monsters, I wanted to say I'm really excited about the news of the uh, animated yes. reconstruction of the Invasions Part 1 and 4. I think this is great. Uh, it, I, I just hope yeah. that they don't replace the telesnaps with strictly animation, I hope you should. Ha- I hope the viewer will have a choice. Well, yes, doing some telestaff. I, I was just going to say, animation. at
3: least have the option of of doing e- either or, you know. So, although that... I've
0: seen some stills, and I have to say, I'm really very impressed with the animation
3: itself. Uh... Yeah, there's. Uh, if you go to the BBC website, the Doctor Who uh, news section on the BBC, um, you know, the Doctor Who website, the official website, you can find um, a sh- a short clip you know, of the animation sample. And it's very impressive,
0: I have to Dave, say. Can, Dave, can we roll the clip? Um, <laughs> okay. yeah, a, that actually wouldn't have been Dave, but, um, who, who was the director of David Letterman? Lou, well, you're a, all-time David Letterman fan?
3: Oh,
0: um, <laughs> I put him on the
3: spot. It's been, well, I haven't watched it since, uh, he basically left NBC. I, the, the, the show really got too conservative for me when it went to CBS. Um, I, I, on, can't re- I mean, a show on CBS
0: being conservative? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, he he, he kind of like changed his whole attitude, and he wasn't like jumping on Velcro walls anymore, you know. And yeah. um, there was no more monkey cams, and yeah, you know, he
0: turned into Ed Sullivan. What yeah, he got, he, Ed
3: well, Sullivan. that or Johnny Cars or whatever. He was just like but, I don't know. But we digress. We're digressing. We're digressing, though. Um, though I, I probably would enjoy talking more about David Letterman than about uh, Love and Monsters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you started the the whole- the whole thing off last weekend and you called me up and you said
3: i did that
0: was yes he said that that was um that you had lost interest in the episode four minutes in
3: no well, I didn't say that I said that um well maybe I did say that i i, I no yeah, you know what you're right I said that uh within the first four minutes it's it, it's it's well what it's it's not Talk to Who, it's Scooby Who is what it is. And he
0: calls it Scooby Who
3: <laughs> And okay. um, and I'm not alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there, it's many people have been drawing that comparison because um, unfortunately uh, this farce is nothing but a cartoon, and it's it's a shame that Doctor Who has um, sunk into this level once again. And um, you know, I I, I thought we were, we we're beyond this. We were I thought we left the flying buses and Candy Men and you know in the Sylvester McCoy's first you know uh, half of his era, and but um, obviously I was wrong and very disappointed. Um, I mean I have to say. Breaking away from the format is not even my biggest issue with this episode. Um, I mean, I could have accepted that if it had, uh, you know, even if I didn't like it, I could have accepted it if it worked. Though I think that might have, I think that whole concept may have worked as a one-off type of special and not within the regular Doctor Who series. Um, I mean,
0: uh, Russell Davies mentions in the in the uh, in the Confidential that. You know, Billy and, 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 uh. Yeah,
3: they were double backing, you know, and were, which is not a sexual innuendo. They were, um. <laughs> they were actually, uh, shooting, uh, both The Impossible Planet and St. Pitt, I believe, at the same time as this. So, uh, but if that's the case, then fine, you know, uh, one episode short this season, then, you know, I'd rather have one less season, one episode, than, than, than to lower the bar like this, you know, and, and bring the series down, um, to be honest. I, well,
0: I, I understand where you're coming from, I, and I know that you felt very passionate about about the bar being lowered. I just think that Doctor Who, throughout its history, has had these little moments where they went off and, and, and did something comical or funny, and it was... Well, there's nothing wrong with doing you, that. And I know that you were like, well, it was a little too absurd... You know, Doctor Who's done some pretty absurd things, and
3: and 24. I I would, and I would condemn each one of those in the past. I even I just said I you know I thought we left the flying buses in space and and Candyman and and bats and all that back in Sylvester McCoy's era, and um, you know at least his first half, and and, and I won't even mention Ghostlight, but. <laughs> I mean but as I said, changing the going with a different format wasn 't even um, my biggest issue I, I i think I would have enjoy, you know going back to like let's say like uh, Star Trek the Next Generation, they did an episode called data 's Day, which was really interesting. It took the uh, you know a episode of, of Star Trek the Next Generation and told it through data 's eyes and it was basically his whole day from beginning to end and um basically basically they they're sort of doing that here as well using a a character that's not in this series at all um, I mean, I would have kind of liked this back maybe in um in John Pertwee's era if they did like the brigadier's day and they told a the whole story from like the brigadier's eyes and his perspective mm-hmm. or or um, Captain yates, even you know um, it would be yep. interesting
0: um, Omega on the uh, the forums I was speaking to him before before uh, this phone call, and he made a good point and said this would have been perhaps a little more interesting had it been Mickey or a character like that where um, where it was a character we were already familiar with, but and you know, a
3: character that had some likability to it. And,
0: and, um, yeah, but I, I, I understood the humor. I understood how they did the humor. Um, but Omega had it, mentioned that, that he thought it was very, the humor was very Buffy. I didn't watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I can't relate. Well, neither have I. I, 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 I've never I have never seen Buffy. Can, but, but I related to a lot of the X-Files humor, the X-Files, Oh, I don't different. think the X
3: Files ever did anything this silly. You know, and as no, far as science they, goes, I mean, this did, this this doesn't have a shred humor, of science went, in it. They
0: they went, when they did humor. This is they did yeah, cartoons.
3: Yeah, they did cartoons. I I, yeah. I miss those X Files then. I, I,
0: yeah, no, they they did they did things that were just you know a little over the top.
3: Well, I would have condemned those episodes too if I had seen them. You know. <laughs>
0: I mean, I mean, this is fine.
3: I, I accept humor and cartoon fun is per- perfectly acceptable. in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I love it. I I, I applaud it. I listen to Hitchhiker's Guide, uh, the radio series, uh, over and over again. It's one of my favorites. I love Douglas Adams, but it's intelligent humor, and I can accept, you know, a Babelfish in someone's ear translating uh, in that context, it's fine. I, I mean, the dish of the day talking to, um, you know, the, the the people that are just about to eat them is fine. But a concrete slab as your girlfriend, I'm sorry, uh, that, that not in Doctor Who, not in Doctor Who. This is just too absurd. I mean, there has to be some, shorter, some sort of shred of um, i mean a uh, uh, believability there I mean, you can suspend your disbelief so far you know I mean I can accept Cassandra even though uh she's uh basically speaking with a mouth, even though she has no lungs to propel air through it, but you know I can you know get past that, but this just goes too far, and it's just it's a shame because it's just like a it's it's a cartoon and it's not um it, it's it's not what Doctor Who's about or shouldn't it shouldn't be what Doctor who's about
0: well. I know you felt very passionately about it. I took it for what it was worth. And I, I you know, I wouldn't go back. This is not one of those episodes I'm, you're going to find me watching over and over again. Uh, I, I, I watched it maybe two or three times where as Satan pit, impossible planet girl in the fireplace, and just about any other episode of season I've watched, you know, over a dozen times simply because I enjoy it. And that is my favorite show. And, and, so I like to watch it over and over again and, and pick up some of the details. Uh, this episode, will it speaks for itself in the fact that I only watched it twice.
3: Well, that's one but, more time than same, I.
0: <laughs> but at the same time, I'm I'm not I'm not coming down on it as hard as you are. I. I I, well, because the, the, I because everything else was somebody, so good, Every, I, just, I didn't take it. I didn't take it. Ever since Doctor yet. Who has come
3: back to the small screen, it has uh, excelled in quality and um, storytelling and characters. And then we get a cartoon, and um, maybe if, if this is acceptable in the new K9 Adventures, um, you know, show that might come out. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, but that might have a different framework, a different um, set of expectations uh, since it's aimed at children. Doctor Who. Has always been a family show that was uh, for adults and children alike. And but uh, even and then some considered it a children's show. But it never spoke down to children. It never insulted their intelligence for the most part, with some exceptions, as I already mentioned those episodes and errors. But um, but here again, I, I just I, I thought it was. Um, it, I, 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 I thought it was, it just, you need to have some sort of believability. And, um, as a, as a kid, I, watching this, I would feel the same way because I, I've always hated story. I mean, it goes back, I can go back to like, um, what, and and another show that, that did absurd things like Lost in Space. It got really absurd. And when, when you have talking carrots and all that, it it just, I I hated those episodes the most. And, um, I
0: always hated in, in science fiction. Um, the fact that they used to try to put a kid in the show under the premise that it appealed to the kids in the audience. I mm. never identified with Wesley Crusher or Boxy or any of the kids in shows. Yeah. I always identified with the hero. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you aspired to be. I didn't. Right? And, and did oh, you identify Just like the kid in the show? No way.
3: Well, I certainly didn't ad- identify with the main character here. And um, it just. I mean, for the first time since Doctor Who's come, come back to the screen, I was actually towards the end just like watching the clock. I'm like, is this over yet? When is this gonna be over? It now, was... did
0: did you? I, I found it uh, an interesting commentary on fandom. In what they were doing with Linda, the group Linda and all, I didn't have uh, a problem with
3: that. I did not have that. I didn't have a problem with the, that analogy. I didn't even have a problem with Zorbalov, um, his humor. I had no problem with Peter Kay. Um, the, 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 he was he was very good. Yeah, I had no problems with him definitely. being in it, or 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 having having him being a bit goofy. I you know, or having you know a bit silly, a type of alien, whatever, which is fine. Aliens can have a sense of humor, or whatever. Uh, it, it's just you know, it, but if he's a Absorbing someone and they're appearing in his body. Their, their glasses and frames are going to appear as well, and they're going to be able to talk. And it just—I mean, I, I took it all with a
0: grain of salt. I think you. Just, I, I'm very surprised. Well, this
3: lowers the bar. To, how can you, you? We go from the Impossible Planet and Saint Pitt, and then we go to this. This now lowers. Well,
0: this—the this show's done this over over 40 something years. It he has. It's done
3: it in and, the past, and I condemn it each time they do. They do it. Like I said, I I hate it. The whole that when Sylvester and I, this is no, uh, this is no, this is no reflection to Sylvester McCoy, the actor, or or, or the uh, Seventh Doctor. It's just the stories that he was given during his first season or series of uh, as the Doctor uh, were mostly not um, Doctor Who, uh, what I consider Doctor Who stories. I mean, not what I considered um, the quality of what the show should be like i said i i i thought that whole f- flying bus in space and was was that delta and the bannerman was absurd yeah uh, um the Candyman. i mean again absurd i i just i i didn't buy it then and i'm not buying it now and i don't mind i don't have a problem with a light-hearted episode now and then uh that's fine a, a perfect example is the original star trek they uh once every now and then through a light-hearted episode and one of the most popular episodes uh in the original Star Trek, that um, that polls show over and over again is trouble with the Tribbles, and but that's it's lighthearted, but it was still believable. The characters were believable, the Tribbles were were believable. I mean, they were, the Tribbles weren't talking, and they didn't have it's it's you know it's it's. And I know that Doctor Who is not Star Trek, and you know. um I know that, and it, it, but it still has to have some level of intelligence given to the characters and the stories uh, to make it believable, you know, on some level. And going back to, like, last series, series one, the 2005 series, uh, if you go and look at first impressions of Aliens of London, you might start getting a little what's going on with all these fart jokes and why they're farting and all that. But then there was a plausible explanation given to it. And, you know, it may not have been high science, but it worked and it got you through the episode, (laughs) you know.
0: Well, one thing I will say is that um, this episode, you know, this season, season two, and and again, we haven't seen the last couple episodes, but so far this season, um, with, with an example, this kind of episode, um, and, uh, to a certain degree, my, a little bit of a disappointment with, with the Cybermen story. Um, the season 1 was way stronger than Season 2, in so far as Season 1 never had an episode like this. But, in fairness, the show is now rolling. They have the chance to do a little experimentation. You're making your thoughts known that you didn't like this particular experiment. It won't be the same next week with any luck. It won't be the same through the two-part um, uh, season finale. And Russell T. Davies has every right to go in some different directions and, and try some, you know, he okay, this is their idea of a little comedy or a little out, thinking outside the box. It may not be for your taste, but, but make it work within
3: the series. Like I said, Trouble with the Tribbles worked within the series. It was lighthearted and fun and enjoyable, but it still worked within the series of Star Trek. And that's that's what I expect with a lighthearted, fun episode or something that uh Data's Day again was a completely different format than the rest of the Star Trek Next Generation episodes, but it still worked within the series. Um and that's what I expect here. I mean uh you can't go from Doctor Who to switch gears, and all of a sudden you Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, or, or um I don't know what else. I mean, it 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 needs to be consistent within itself, and um, and and that's what I asked for.
0: I, I I don't know. I I didn't have as much a problem with with it as you do. I I, I and I. I understand what you're saying. I just think that Doctor Who has a track record over the years of doing these kind of things, and and so it doesn't surprise me. It just doesn't surprise me. I mean, as, Ghostbusters
3: as, has that fun. I, I enjoyed. I love Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, and the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It's fun. It's. I love it. I mean, but Doctor Who is not Ghostbusters. You know, it's a different set of criteria and expectations that you go in when you when you when you're going to watch this. You know, and. Um, and I, I, I thought this was just a cartoon, you know, especially at the, at the very end when, the, when this, you know, slab, you know, someone else pointed out in the forums that, you know, the Doctor wouldn't allow the humans to live as Cybermen, and who uh, would rather kill them, you know, than have them live that existence, yet uh, he's content to have uh, Ursula, is that her name, whatever, um, yeah, but, but, live as a concrete slab. Yeah,
0: but she was happy.
3: Had yes, being a concrete control. slab is very. I would love to be a concrete <laughs> slab and live as a slab. That's a very content life.
0: I don't know. I just I didn't have as much a problem with it as you did. I, I don't know. It was not my favorite episode. I know you challenged me on the... that you thought I gave it... I mean, you keep on...
3: Ken, you have always said in this podcast how you, you know, have... you have different expectations of science fiction, and you don't like Stargate and on whatever and because you expect more. And that's how I feel about this episode. I feel about Doctor Who. I expect more than, than a cartoon. Um, you know, and I would rather not have this episode than to have the bar lowered in Doctor who like this
0: well i i think it was a it was a matter of just some experimentation by by the, the doctor production team i i think perhaps which is fine but make it work p- perhaps a little further down the road not not in the second season already where we're, where we're going in this direction it may be a little bit too soon but you know had this been series four or series five and and you know it was like well let's let's you know let's save a couple bucks and 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 do what we have to do. I I don't know. I, I I agree with you, um, but I wasn't bent out of shape. It did not irritate me the way it it, it it's irritated you. I, I at the same time
3: I'm so embarrassed by it. That's <laughs> what's that? I said I'm embarrassed by it. This is
0: I mean. Um... I mean I wouldn't recommend this for someone's first outing to to watch Doctor Who. That's for sure. Um. So what would you give this in Tardis groans? Well, you know, we spoke about this prior to the, the recording today, and and you you raked me over the coals saying that, <laughs> um, that that I gave it a, I originally gave it a higher rating than Dalek, so I've reevaluated my position on ah. it, and I'm giving it three Tardis groans, which is the exact same rating I gave Dalek, which was my least favorite of last season, and I don't. Um, so, so this is on the same level as Dalek for you? I... It's watchability, yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, um, yeah, I didn't have as much problem and, with and it. And if, I, if I you don't... had
3: someone that you wanted to show Doctor Who to, you, you would equally pick this or Dalek um, equally?
0: Yes. Oh, my God. Because I wouldn't show them Dalek either. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I don't think that Daleks are impressive. I don't think people, re- you know, I don't. I don't think people go, "Ooh, there's a Dalek." I'm totally into Doctor. Yeah, but now. a Dalek is is a lot more believable and um, you know, if I'm going to show him something that's going to turn him onto the show I'm going to put on the Impossible Planet or I'm going to put I, on I, I, I thought thought Dalek
3: was a masterpiece compared to this. I mean, Dalek (laughs) was—I mean, I didn't have—my problems with Dalek is—the episode Dalek was that it wasn't given enough time to really tell the story thoroughly, and it was kind of rushed, I thought, but— Okay, now, barring the
0: girl being a a charcoal briquette at the end, um, if you took that out, would the story be okay for you? It it would be
3: a little bit better. Still, it still was a cartoon. It was still, I mean, started off very much as a cartoon with them running with the buckets, and then. But I think
0: he was. It was done in the. It was done from the point of view of Elton, so it wasn't the Doctor and Rose being chased around like it was Scooby Doo. I think that this this character of Elton was a little over the top or a little exaggerated. Like he he was a typical fanboy, and that everything was just was you know just just this, this this crazy and i and i think we see it through his eyes so it it is that you know that this that it's his
3: point of view so well it's also the camera's point of view and his webcam or whatever and and that's when we see the slab so i i i don't know if it's all through his point of his, his twisted um, vision or not, I mean, there were some elements that I did like about this, and like I said, um, I, I, I changing the format would have, you know, if it had worked, I would have accepted it um, in in a different in a different way. Uh, I did like the way they um, the, 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 they were exploring the TARDIS, and they were they sort of like ancient ancient um, hieroglyphics with the TARDIS in it, and um, th- that type of stuff. I, I really liked in that episode, and.
0: Um, yeah, it it, it it was a little bit of a follow up to what we we saw a touch of in Rose, where people were interested in you know, what what were people who are people who are on Earth and mm-hmm. hear about this person and this. I mean, obviously the doctor's running through the streets. You got TV cameras on him. Someone must you know snap a picture of him or want to know who the hell the guy is. So it was interesting to see that from a, from someone who's not a companion's point of view, someone who doesn't yeah. know who he is. Yeah, the um the um and I, and that, and that part to me the whole situation with Linda was very plausible. It was it was very plausible that there's a group to get together and 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 an sure. with a, with a light commentary on fandom, they get together, they get together to meet about Dr. The next thing you know they're one guy's reading a story. Then they're singing. They form a band. I Death mean, that's every fan—that's that's every fan club in the universe. Yeah, but well, we lived it. We did this. Yeah. <laughs> did. And, uh, and like I said to you once before, our stories are not unique. <laughs> what? Our stories are not. Our story is not unique. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, this episode's proof of that.
3: I well, like I said, I didn't have a problem with that. I just had the car the cartoon aspect of it. I had a problem with. Did, did the whole mother thing work for you? I, I, I didn't. I didn't think that worked at all.
0: Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I always.
3: I didn't per- have a problem with it. I just didn't feel. I, always, I didn't uh, feel anything. Jackie is being a little. Uh, no, you know. no, not Jackie. I meant his mother when he finds out the, the whole explanation about the, who the doctor was, and it was the same day that his mom died. And uh, you know, then it was like this whole flashback with the mother. I, I just. Nope,
0: didn't have a problem
3: with it. I didn't have a problem with that. I just didn't
0: think it worked. <laughs> well, I never, well, it worked for me then. All right. Um, well, no, I, I honestly those those things didn't bother me, and you know I I agree that the the briquette thing at the end was a little over the top. I, I that you know, but if you subtract that, does the rest of the episode seem to come together? And I know that it, again, it was a little cartoony with the whole the aliens being chased, that whole beginning thing, but. I it I took it as being from the point of view of Elton, and um, you know I took it with, I took the entire episode with a grain of salt. Now, also too, I had the I went into watching the episode after hearing both you and another friend absolutely trash the episode, so my expectations may have been lowered.
3: I know. Uh, a, a lot of people enjoyed the episode. I, most of the postings on our forum uh, are positive reviews, and people are giving it very high ratings. Uh, of course, there are others that agree with me, but um, I think the majority, um, or well, we do have a poll running on our site, and it's sort of like falling in the middle. I think most people are yeah, giving it right down the um, middle. It's, um, it's... Yeah, it's kind of averaging right there in the middle. Anyway, so. Um, We're going to go back and see what James thought and get his take on this episode. we're just going to go right into um what you gentlemen thought and, and please forgive me when we did record together last night i didn't realize colin and, and mike would be here and uh joe with us as well so that's
1: typical isn't it it's disgraceful time <laughs> 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 to walk off the show
3: i didn't mean to exclude you fine gentlemen uh, when i said we'll be back with james <laughs> 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 so um you heard me trashing us through the coals what did everyone else think
4: well, um I have to say um that I agree um, very much with everything that Ken said. I I agree with a lot of what you said, Lewis, but I am a huge Peter K fan. Um, and I really, really enjoyed this episode. I I well,
3: I, I, I didn't have a problem with Peter K. I thought Peter K was fine. I just thought the the science behind him wasn't... I know.
4: Um, I know. It, it wasn't... Being a scientist myself, I could put all sorts of holes in this episode. But I think that there have been many, many episodes in Doctor Who in the past, not just things like that you were pointing out with the Candyman uh, in the seventh Doctor, because I agree that's, that's right at the far end of the scale, But there are all sorts of things that just don't really make scientific sense and I think that's because Doctor Who okay, it's classified as a a science fiction show but I I don't think that many people in the UK see it as that. People in the UK see it more as like a drama series um, a very very innovative drama series and I think that that's true of all dot two episodes. Is that one thing that you you can always say, even if you never if you didn't like an episode, is that it's different and that it's innovative. Um, and they were trying to take it into a different direction. I, I think that there were certainly elements within it that didn't work, um, but I think that it was trying to excite people and inspire people's imagination out there. And I think that it was, as Ken said, a Story told from Elton's viewpoint, um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, I I think that it's one of those episodes that is completely different from the others, and I think that's why so many people were frustrated by it because it was just it was out there. It was completely different to the the whole mood of this series, um, which is I think perhaps why a lot of my friends t- who I've spoken to didn't enjoy it very much, but I thought that Peter Kay was fantastic, I thought that all the other supporting actors were brilliant um, and really added to the show. Um, but I, I I didn't have a huge problem with it as, as many other people did, I I just thought it was a fun romp, and that's what it was. It, it I agree it, as you say Lewis, it was a bit cartoony, but at the end of the day I think that that they, that they were testing the water and, and seeing what they could do and how far they could push it because I think it's it's quite easy to to forget that Doctor Who primarily it, its target audience is is for children, but it's got such a a but huge don't dumb fan it down. base. Mm-hmm and i i i think that it's important to spark off kids imaginations and to uh put some excitement out there into the into doctor who was a kid when i was when i was watching watching doctor who as a kid doctor who made me believe that anything was possible and doctor who it, it ignited my passion for science which has always been there but it it also at the same time made me think that anything was possible and that you could have a a laugh and that science was fun and I think you've got to throw out episodes like this uh, this past one, Love and Monsters to show that Doctor Who can be light hearted, it's not all just about um, death all of the time in, in terms of things like um uh, the rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel which is, is, is a completely different feel just as the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit are um, because those again, I, I think that it, that it needed to, they needed to have a light-hearted episode after the Impossible sure. Planet and, mm-hmm. and the Satan Pit, and perhaps this was too light-hearted. And I what? I agree. I I am not wishing to to dish you at all, Luis. You know that no, I not at all. I respect um... your opinion. And I respect yours as well. Yeah, it's not
3: about that. It's uh, you know, that's what makes uh, the show interesting—that we can all get together and have differences of opinion, and but you know, and And talk about it.
4: And I'm sure there are people out there who are listening to this who are like they completely don't agree with me and completely agree with you, and And vice versa. versa. Yeah. So, I I really enjoyed it. Um, What did you you guys think of it, chaps? Uh,
5: I I thought it was absolutely brilliant uh the reason i'm a doctor who fan is because doctor who is supposed to be a show about you know where you can do anything and go anywhere and and even though it's a very encapsulated idea of of doing anything and that it's it's set on present day earth um if there's one show in the world that that ever that that has you know that ha- should have the ability to do anything it's doctor who and i mean i mean that that's why i have no problem with the premise as as a piece of television, I think it's just a beautiful piece of television with with interesting characters, sympathetic characters. I actually thought that the the character of Elton is you know maybe the best developed guest character we've ever had in the history of the show. Uh, yeah. And not not having to give a lot of uh, screen time to the uh, to the leads uh, allows that to happen, obviously, because you, 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 there's more time there to develop the guest star. Yeah, I think. Sorry,
4: I... I just wanted to make one brief point. I'm sorry to interject, mate. I just forgot to mention, you just completely reminded me that what I thought was very clever and brilliant about this episode was that it was a satirical look at Doctor Who fans and fandom in general. And I liked mm-hmm. how the main focus of the episode was a Doctor Who fan, in a sense. And there was this geeky chap who wasn't perhaps... Um, you know uh, the the typical hero to a story, the typical protagonist, the typical storyteller, and that's what I liked about it was um, the fact that I could relate to him, and maybe that's why I I got it a bit more. I know Ken said the complete opposite in his review, but I liked that. I'm sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to interject. That's I just okay. Wanted to Say it before I forgot completely. Go on, sorry. Yeah,
5: hearing what uh, I mean, hearing you talk about it and hearing Ken talk about it gets me all pumped up about how much how much I love this. It's been eight days and I'm still on top of the world over this episode. About how
4: I mean, (laughs) I I, I, and
3: and I'm just the opposite. I'm still in a depression because of
4: it. Only Doctor Who could have this effect on people.
5: You you guys covered it a bit. I mean, Doctor Who isn't about a funny guy in a blue box and science. Doctor Who is about magic and ideas and the effect that the hero has on either on the viewers, us, or on the other people on screen and how, how he influences them, which is why... Even for a story with so little of the Doctor, his, his footprint, his, his hands are all over the entire episode, and you don't need him in front of you on the screen to see that. Well, that, I, I think it's brilliantly done. It came as a necessity, as Ken said, from, uh, from who was available to shoot this episode. They had to do an episode with very little of the regulars, uh, but they did an absolutely fantastic job creating that. And I think maybe that's, the, maybe there's a dividing line here as well between uh, the issue of science fiction. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything very scientific about the, the celestial toy maker or the mind rob or any of another whole bunch of really fanta- fantasy oriented yeah, stories. Exactly. I mean, if, if you have a story like the impossible planet where it, it depends on the science, well, you want, even though they still get the science a bit wrong, you want them to pay attention to those things. But if you're going to have a wild, crazy story, uh... Then, then i think it goes out the window uh, doctor who it, science fiction is an important part of doctor who but i don't i never thought doctor who is science fiction doctor who is everything uh... it's comedy it's horror you could start a doctor who episode uh... with the doctor already having traveled into the past so you don't even have a time machine and go through an entire episode where nothing scientific happens and it would still be hundred percent doctor who uh... so I, I, sorry, I just, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I guess I'm sort of responding to what, what Lewis was saying. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't think it's necessary. I think that if you did that every week, you know, that wouldn't necessarily be very interesting. But once in a while, hey, why not? And it, and, and to do it with such a lovely, touching story, I, on one forum, I called this, uh, Russell T. Davis's love letter to Doctor Who. And that's, that's really how, how I took it. It shows, I think it shows his love for it, but it, it felt like it showed my love for Doctor Who as well. That's that's, mm-hmm. what, I, that's what I took home from, from watching this episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, yeah. I think you could certainly tell that they had spent a heck of a lot of money on the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. And this needed a story which wouldn't be so constraining on the budget. I mean, even the Hoiks, which is that little monster that you see at the start of the episode... Was um, plastered together from all sorts of different monster parts that they'd had previously, um, done in a very cleverly clever way. But you know, I, I think you could tell that they had they had spent a lot more money on the on the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit, and thus had to spend less money on this episode, uh, and so made it focused around Elton. And Linda and so on, and are very much an earthbound story, and not having to uh, break the bank in terms of the special effects budget and that. Yeah,
5: but granted. In- yeah, granted. I would say that the the that sequence at the beginning probably is my least favorite part of the episode. Uh, in terms of it, it is a bit silly. But I, I one of those who subscribes to the belief that I mean, we're that's how Elton, That's not necessarily how that happened.
3: That's how Elton remembers it. But that's on a webcam. So it's it's how the webcam remembers
5: ah, it, Ah, but apparently. you never see the
1: face, you only see the back of it. So it's entirely possible that him looking oh. down at it. Oh, yeah,
5: yeah I, it actually, I, I was referring to the beginning of the episode, but at the end of the episode as well, when they actually oh, oh, right. when they cut to the shot of, of Ursula's face, we're no longer on the webcam. So, uh, but, but but I was referring to the bit at the beginning with the monster yeah, and, and the, buckets. the
4: buckets. Yeah,
5: with uh, buckets, yeah. That's, I mean, I think... Uh, I mean, Elton is such a touching character, but there's the illusion here that, you know, Elton may not actually be all that well. That yeah,
4: mentally speaking. <laughs> he's,
5: he's not all there. Um, and, I mean, uh, almost unlike, I can't think of a single Doctor Who episode ever that I've thought about it every day. I haven't rewatched it. I, I don't, I tend not to rewatch Doctor Who episodes for a long time, but I've thought about this episode every day since it aired. And, you know, I've, I've seen another one since, and I'm still thinking about Love and Monsters. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm trying to forget it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> not that I want another Love and Monsters for a long time, but it's just, I'm a fan of Doctor Who because Screw Union, Impossible Planet, and Love and Monsters are all completely different, but the exact same show. That, that's why I'm a Doctor yeah, Who fan.
3: Yeah, I, well, I, I, I disagree. I, I, find, I, I found Love and Monsters not to be Doctor Who at all, and... Um, but that I have a different expectations with Doctor Who than than that. Well, there, there's nothing in there that hasn't been done before, and maybe they haven't done it all in
5: one episode before, but everything that, that happens here has happened.
3: Well, it, it hasn't been done in, the, in recent times. It hasn't been done in 2005 or 2006, and well, that's why, I mean, the, the, I was saying with Ken, the bar was raised to a certain level, and now we're we're in absurd land and it's yeah it's it, it, i guess in way
5: just one final point uh, The thing that had occurred to me about the episode is that i think that if uh, i if you're going to be daring and you're going to go outside the box and you do something crazy it's almost important that 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 lewis people have the opinion that you have i think that if we all loved it or we all hated it or even worse we all of us just didn't care I think it would have failed. The fact that it's so polarized, you got, you know, people that think it's good and then people that really, really oh, yeah. think it's mm-hmm. bad. I mean, I think that that's the success of not just Dr. Who, but of, of this episode. Uh, if, if, if we didn't have strong opinions, it, it would have been a waste of time. The fact that we're so, uh, everybody is so pumped up about you know, the other opinions on this episode, I think is so terrific.
4: Maybe and it shouldn't have been called Love and Monsters. Maybe it should have been called Love and Hate, because whenever you speak to someone, <laughs> they either love it or they hate it. It's a bit well, like Marmite in that respect. I,
5: well. I recall the, the. I think the working title was We Love Doctor Who. Was oh, the original yeah, we, title I of love the episode.
1: The oh, yeah. I love the
5: Doctor. That's it. Yeah. 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 I like her. it. Anyway, I'll suggestion. pass on.
1: I think Scooby Who would have suited this one brilliantly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with the door sequence, yeah, and the entire thing, and and, and, as Louis suggested, yeah, that was the only thing I really didn't like about it in that episode. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much I'm in the middle of the road with it. I can agree with the people who didn't like it, and I can I'm not so much. I didn't think it was an absolutely fantastic episode, but I didn't think it it was that bad. But the thing I didn't like about that door scene and the chase was the whole editing of it it was just done like a pantomime it was like one of these sort of stage farces everybody running across the stage in all directions and i think that could probably have done been done better but then maybe it was some sort of a commentary on you know previous doctor who's where they end up running down corridors but for me it just seemed to be a bit self-indulgent you know like that what was the tom baker one the eden Thing, one where he sort of runs into the picture and goes, "Zoom my arms, zoom my legs, zoom my everything." It sort of gave me that sort of feeling. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I can appreciate that. Yeah,
4: I, 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 it was very self-indulgent. This episode as a whole was very. But I, I think Mike said it beautifully when he said that this is Russell T. Davies's tribute to Doctor Who and how it can just go off on a tangent completely, but be exactly the same and. In that respect, I think it had to be self-indulgent, I suppose. And
1: let's not forget that Doctor Who has been at its best when it has tried new things. They don't always exactly. work. Innovative, some, yeah. that's what I'm yeah, about. But some of its finest moments have come from... It's like the big Finish audios. I mean, there was one, that Live 34 one, which, as I must admit, I didn't go for it. I didn't particularly like it because of the way it was done. But it tried to be different. It tried to go in a new direction. And a lot of people really, really liked it. I think the people who I've spoken to who don't seem to have liked it are more the what I would call the hardened fans—the people who have had Doctor Who around in their lives a hell of a lot longer and have got a set of expectations of it. Um, I found that the younger people I've spoken to sort of—they they liked it. And they thought, you know, yeah, cool, it was it was good.
4: do you think that's mm-hmm. true, Lewis? Do you think that it's because you had? A, well, a different, completely different expectation of, Well, I of, think yeah. I do, as
3: I said when I was sp- speaking to Ken, that I walk I go into Doctor Who with a certain set of expectations. I mean, I would if this was a, uh, if this happened in a Star Wars episode, a Star Wars ch- uh, chapter, I would have been bl- bomb blasting it as well, just as intensely Even though Even though Even though it's so, both of them are science fantasy more than science fiction, there still has to be some sort of shred of believability, some plausible ability something to suspend your disbelief and like i said i could accept cassandra i, I can get past that um you know i go back to the, the idiot's lantern um even though i did have a problems with the faces and how they came back and they have you know i i understood the point they were trying to make and i got past it you know i would have enjoyed it better if there was a better explanation sort of like what they did with the empty child and the doctor dances with the gas masks but it's just this one just went too far and like i said i don't mind a light-hearted episode i I welcome it and like i said when it works you know i my my point that i made earlier with the trouble with the tribbles i thought that worked marvelously within the series in the context of, of what was already established uh here since its return to you know uh I, I, this is something that, it, like I said, it, it's even inconsistent with just what we see with *Rise of the Cybermen* and, um, and, and *Age of Steel*, with the Doctor being inconsistent with, um, um, you, you know, with this, with allowing humans to live as, you know, not allowing humans to live as Cybermen. Yeah. But we
5: we don't know that though. I think that's that's left deliberately open, that we don't really know if he's done that, because we don't know if Ursula is dead or not.
1: If you look Thanks. on it as all being in um, Elton's head, then it gives you a whole new spin, which makes it perhaps more acceptable within the canon of for those people that yeah. it. I, I, I,
3: I, I would give you that, yes. I, do, I maybe...
1: agree with Lewis, you, Lewis, definitely, about the thing, like the paving slab bit. You know, what the Doctor seems to think it's OK to let somebody live their life as a paving slab, unable to move or whatever. Um, but if they're a Cyberman, then, you know, they've got to have their head blow up or have their emotion bit sort of removed so that they sort of die because it's better to die than live like that, you know.
4: I can kind of see what you're saying, but at the same time I can appreciate that Ken says well, she's happy. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it's not like um, okay, she didn't really sort of have any choice about the, the situation uh, because the Doctor had to do it very much like this uh, when someone... Is cyberfied or whatever? They don't have a choice about it. They're just they made to do it. Um, But she was happy at the end of the day, and you know she Mm -hmm. was with Elton, and And had a love life of sorts. Well, yes. Let's (laughs) not even go there because that did that was just disgusting, and uh, (laughs) I I I just had it it brought awful pictures. It made me laugh, but it, it was just one of those things where. My God, you can't say that. This is for kids. Come on. Um, well,
3: it's, it's a fairy tale, and it would have worked fine in The Princess Bride, which is another movie I love and adore, but um, I, I just don't find You know, I'd I expect more of well, Doctor as, Who.
1: As Peter Kay would say, you know, a bit of blue for
2: the dads.
4: Yes, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking
1: that. I, w- I, said, I think I actually said that
4: to my mate Simon at the time when we were watching it, because Simon's a big Peter Kay fan as well, and... Uh, this is Simon from my Rough, Ready, and Raw podcast, my mate, and mm-hmm. we watched it together. And uh, he looked at me, and I looked at him, and we both said a bit of blue for the dads. Um, but I, I, just one thing that before we wrap up and sort of give our uh, well, we
3: haven't heard from Joe. Joe's been very quiet. Yeah. Oh, of
4: course, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to ask, um, what would it been would it have been more acceptable the ending if? Um, Instead of it being this slab, if the Doctor could have brought back everyone from Linda, would that have been better, do you think? If he could have just used his sonic screwdriver and everybody would have zapped out
1: of the pavement, would have that have been Ooh, better? That would have been a bit Satsuma. Yeah. It would. No.
5: Yeah. I, I think not. I think, for me, this, this episode is about the effect that the Doctor has on us and uh, on one level you could almost watch this episode and believe that everything with the doctor and rose is is fantasy in Elton's head and in reality he never he's never even there uh yeah and so i think be. i think it's important that the doctor doesn't just walk in and recreate everything and save everyone it's it's more what that one little experience when Elton was a child did to him and how it's affected him for the rest of his life Yes. Kind of like the Doctor Who fan who first saw Doctor Who when they're a little kid, like me, and the decades of influence it's had over your life, I and mean, that's the that's the connection I see here. So it's about it's 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 about Elton. It's not about the Doctor. So I, I'd I say
4: agree. no. Okay. Uh, I was I, just I was just interested because people said that they didn't like that.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Colin, go on, mate. No. Um, I was just thinking um, maybe a better ending would have been to show that there was nothing on the concrete slab at the end and that uh, mm-hmm. she wasn't really brought back, that he was just a little it's just his know, delusion, crazy, and at the very end, after she's done talking you just watch him like caressing like the empty slab, and I think that also would have
3: Work better. worked
2: better. It would have mm-hmm. shown that a lot of the cartoony actions that took place in the episode were in his head
3: his delusions, yeah. Yeah, so I think I, I agree that with would you. have
2: um, worked a lot for it, too. Um, and I tend to agree more with Lewis on uh, this episode. In particular, well, first off, because someone has to. And <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> there you go. Some
1: big endorsement
3: there. <laughs> Your check is in the mail. <laughs> and there's just... I feel like
2: there were other things that like like it had potential for me to really enjoy it but I think um, I had mentioned to uh, Ken that um, had let's see like the episode taken place with Mickey instead or another character like that that it would have worked uh, a little better am I still there? Yes, okay. yes, you're still here. Just making sure, because I stopped hearing <laughs> like a little bit of feedback, but yeah. Um, so I think it would have worked better with a character that was already established, even Jackie, and just Jackie trying mm-hmm. to find out more about this man that's taken her daughter away. Um, yeah. If, if the Could episode... used a
1: paving slap though, that's anything. Yeah.
2: If, if the episode took place earlier in the season, um, I think it also would have worked a little better, because the beginning few episodes were a little lighter and then start working up towards the heavier episodes I think.
3: Yeah, after Impossible Planet and Satan Pit and then we got this. It's sort of... Yeah, it, yeah.
1: an anti-climax I guess. The placing was, sorry, I was going to say the placing was kind of unfortunate within the series there. Mm mm-hmm.
3: I, I believe this was originally going to be the Stephen Fry story. It I was, mean, As yeah. far as this this, ep, this episode placement was going to be what Stephen Fry had written that then oh, was pushed was back to next her? year, and I don't know. Uh, it, was it
1: was either this or Fear, her, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what, Um, with this episode being sort of very closely associated with the Blue Peter competition I do sort of wonder how much of the plot was kind of a filler Because they couldn't get Tennant and they couldn't get Piper Mm -hmm. And also I wonder at what point they actually knew the villain would be what it was You know, how much of the story was already written before the competition was run And did they write it sort of up to a certain point and then think Right, well we'll leave it so that
2: you could just slot the monster bit in there Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was also one other thing with the episode. Probably my biggest critique um, with it, and uh, this probably isn't going to make sense when I initially say it, but just follow me mm-hmm. for a minute. That I felt it wasn't very original. In that we already explored this in rows With the character who had a fascination With the Doctor And we did this twice this season With School Reunion With Sarah Jane actually coming back And again talking about What life's been like with the Doctor And without the Doctor And then in Girl in the Fireplace Again with a character Whose life had been changed by the Doctor And how life was with the Doctor And then without the Doctor And then to do that three times in the same season just seems like it's sort of beating the theme over the head of the audience and for me that um, took away a bit from the story Mm. I'll agree with you there yeah but I can see how
4: it's it's one of those episodes that is weird that it's it's original and it's self-reflecting at the same time in that it's original and unoriginal at the same time. This episode was original in the way that it was done, and it was from uh, a fan's perspective, uh, not just someone who's kind of interested in Doctor Who, someone who's obsessed by Doctor Who. Um, And it was a satirical look at Doctor Who fan groups. Um, But I agree, I love your idea, Joe, of the slab at the end being... Yeah, yeah. You know, just, I,
3: I would have liked it a lot more. I, that, that would I have made well. a
4: lot more sense. A, a lot more sense to have done that, and it would have been really clever as well. It would be something that you perhaps weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, I, I like that, but yeah, I know what you're saying. It's, it is kind of like a bit like a girl in the fireplace and Rose, etc. So yeah, I can appreciate that.
1: I did wonder on this as well, you know, with the confidential, um, Russell T. Davis, when he was talking about, he'd asked Peter Kay to be in it, and he said, oh, I've got this part for you, and he'd sort of talked to him, and then Peter said, oh, well, you know, can't I be the monster? Which makes me wonder, was Peter Kay originally lined up to play Elton, because I think he pulled it up really well. He
4: was, he was originally, um, going to play Elton in it, he, um... He read for the part and stuff and all sorts. I think it mentioned this on the confidential website somewhere ah. that he was going to play Elton, but he he jokingly stepped in for the part of the monster, and then they gave it to him in instead. Mm. So,
5: I, th- yeah. I think a lot of people outside the UK. Might not appreciate the the, the the immense cameo value of Peter Kay being in Doctor Who as well when they see this episode. I mean, most people in North America certainly don't know who Peter Kay is.
1: Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he
5: hasn't translated across the ocean.
4: No, yeah. um, and I, no, I don't think the he ever will either.
1: I think he would have though if he'd been in a, as Elton because it would have been Elton is pretty much a sort of a um, what's the word? Um, somebody that you don't really know and you meet along with everybody else. Um, whereas the monster, I don't know, it's the fact that you, he's playing a monster and it's very much, oh, it's Peter Kay, and people don't know who that is, but I think yeah. they would have related to that better if he had been Elton. I can see that. But
4: also I think that um, Peter Kay's comedy in itself is something which is so, like... it. it it's It's like a big big piss take of British culture Peter Mm -hmm. Kay's comedy and uh, my girlfriend loves Peter Kay but she she wouldn't have understood because my girlfriend's American she wouldn't have understood it I don't think if she didn't know so much about Britain and you know stuff like that so I can see how you know people in America wouldn't have a clue who he was and therefore wouldn't appreciate that Peter Kay whoa it's Peter Kay on Doctor Who that sort of thing you know that wow factor, yeah. Whereas, I, if you're British, it, it, it speaks volumes to you.
5: Sorry about that, James. Uh, so I first man. saw him. Yeah, I saw him when he did a cameo on Carnation Street, and at that point, I hadn't heard of him, and have since learned who he is. But that mm-hmm. that, that was another big cameo he did, and I don't it it didn't it it didn't make an impact in Canada. So mm-hmm. I think uh, that that might affect again. I think that might affect some people's perception of the episode overall. Not not understanding who
1: he is and why he's funny and what his background is mm. I think just, you can oops, yeah. sorry
5: That's <laughs> okay. Go you, ahead.
1: Go you could gauge the impact by um, looking at how the, the two different audiences the transatlantic audiences sort of relate to it because I think most British people say oh do you remember that one with, uh, doc, with Peter Kay in it and I think the Americans <laughs> and the Canadians would say oh well, that one with the absorber off in it so. yeah exactly
4: mm.
1: Mm. and nobody's mentioned ELO yet Oh ELO. <laughs>
4: well that was great though. I think everybody's danced in their underwear to Elo dramatically in, in their bedrooms at some point. Thanks for that
1: picture.
3: <laughs> that will be on the enhanced podcast.
1: <laughs>
3: James, please send us the photo and <laughs> include. It. Shall I head
1: up there with the camera now? We're just for the record.
4: Yeah, get get the video camera out, Colin. You can record me <laughs> dancing in my underwear. I'm sure everyone wants to see that. You, no, but you know what I mean. Every, everybody's like stood in front of the microphone with a hair br- uh, in front of the microphone, in front of the mirror with a hairbrush or something, I singing along to their favorite tune, rather stupidly when they're alone or singing in the shower that sort of thing so I, I liked that bit I thought it was really really fun It
1: used very very well especially the bits you know, the sort of the montage flashbacks that Elton has with his mother at the very end where it sort of just fades to white at the very end of it I mean that that was really very very poignant you know sort of his last memory of his mother is sort of walking off on a football field and turning to look back at him you know that was very very well done and kind of that's one of the things I have liked about this series, the fact that it can get silliness, the fact that it can get really scary bits, and then it can get these moments of absolutely brilliant poignance in right at the very end to catch you really off guard.
4: Mm. That Yeah, that did catch me off guard, but it, I... I know Louis didn't like it just listening to his segment with Ken.
3: Well, it's not that I, I just didn't felt it worked. I've, I felt maybe if they had some inkling that he was missing his mom earlier or his mother and um, I just didn't... T- I, when it's a bit been came, some lead-up. Yeah, it just was like, well, I, I don't know. It just didn't, I didn't really feel anything. It just didn't seem to connect, you know, um, with this... You have you know, no soul... <laughs> it, i mean because you, you know his earlier flashbacks were the doctor in the kitchen and all that and there were mm. no like previous flashbacks of his mother that i recall i i, I couldn't bear to watch it again so i, I only saw it once <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> off that
1: fence louis tell us what you really thought <laughs> <laughs>
3: So when it came, when that sequence came, I said, "Oh, it's." I just felt it. it just was missing it. I, you know, I, I got it, but I just thought it was missing something. It was missing it.
5: Right, right, yeah. I think his his search for the doctor takes him back to the happiest time in his life, and that's not the it's not the, the night his mother dies, or it, it's it's when his mother was alive, and the first appearance of the doctor is the end of that. So I think really the Doctor is just representative of bringing him, him wanting to be back where he was the most happy. And I, I think probably a lot of people that are fans of things can relate to, uh, associating, especially, and especially with Doctor Who, associating Doctor Who with, with childhood, with, with those happy times. That's, that's my read on it. Mm-hmm.
3: Fair enough.
4: So well, then, oh, go on, sorry,
3: this, uh, mate. Yeah, I was just—I think we we're both uh, leading to the same thing. Um, James, should I uh, give my tortoise groans, or did you want to do it? Please do. All right, well, it comes to no surprise that I'm giving it one TARDIS groan.
4: Whoa, the lowest Ooh, of yeah. a rating we've yeah, ever it's had. It's the
3: lowest of, since Doctor Who's returned in 2005, this is the lowest rating I've given a Doctor Who uh, episode, I'm sorry to say. It would have been a two, uh, but until The Concrete Slab came up, then it dropped down to a one. I'm <laughs> if if Joe if it had Joe's ending, I would have given it a two. <laughs> <laughs> but that de- that was the deal breaker <laughs>
4: Joe does, uh, I think Lewis wants you to become a Doctor Who script writer mate <laughs>
2: <laughs> at
3: least a script doctor please
2: <laughs> well if I get asked I'll consider it
3: all right well like I said, my biggest problem was the believability of it it's the, the, um i I don't mind a comical light hearted episode um I, I i love I love humor in Doctor Who as well i you know when we did the review of city of death, we all commented how the humor worked in that episode and interfere with the storytelling um i don't the humor here worked but not the absurdness not the cartoon aspect and um and I guess, and this may be a spoiler for Fear Her, you know, because um, I guess they pre- premeditated that I was going to be comparing it to a cartoon, because the next episode, you know, Doctor Who really does become a cartoon, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I don't think that's a m- so, mass spoiler there, there go. Yeah,
3: well, it's um, it seems to continue in, 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 in that it's fantasy, theme, yeah. fairy tale um, sense of believability. But anyway, so that, that's, that's my um, review of it. And, um, and hopefully, um, see you know, we're not going to get too many of these episodes.
4: Okay. So, Joe, what did you think of it, fella? Uh, what's your rating in groans? I'd,
2: I'd give it a two. Again? Two groans. Yeah, just because this is probably my least favorite... Um. At definitely um, this season and probably last. Um, See, so yeah, N two is the lowest I would give for any of the new ones. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It was like I. I was still able to get through it, and as long as things like you know time and the Ranny exist, I can't really give something a one with.
3: Well, there's always zero. That's why I gave it a one. I, I gave it a one because it did have originality. It did change the format. I mean, there was a, a one for effort I gave it. So.
2: Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, like, yeah I, I'm going to stick with the two, but yeah, it's definitely probably my least favorite of the new ones. I mean, I'd probably have to watch them all again and really make a close judgment. That, right, yeah. Because I wasn't yeah. a big fan of the long game last season either, but... Yeah. You know, but you, know. you
4: wouldn't. Would you have given a long game or two? Probably. Right. So, That's, yeah, I think it It's probably has been, for most people, one of the weaker episodes of the series, but yeah. uh, hey. So then, um,
1: Colin, what did you think of it, mate? Um, well, I mixed feelings. Um, it certainly split the fans evenly. I mean, you've only got to read some of the comments on Outrage Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. Out, outrage Gallifrey. Outpost Gallifrey. <laughs> outrage <laughs> Gallifrey. The ageing Doctor Freud. Um, no, that's it. Outrage Gallifrey works. Actually, it works on several <laughs> levels. Um, and yeah, well, we would know who we are. Um, <laughs> I would say I would actually give it a 3 to a 3.5. Now, the reason for that is because, for me, it dared to be different. It tried to go in a different direction, and to me it showed that the series is important enough to the production team that they're actually going to try and take risks and try and do different things, try and keep it fresh. If all of the episodes had been like this, I'd have given it a 2, a 1. But it was different that I will... I'll give it the points simply for trying to be different. Right. I think the fans in years to come will look back and think, mm, it wasn't that bad. Um, that said, I think that the kids who look on it now as being brilliant, when they grow up, they'll probably be like I was with Planet of the Spiders and think, that was rubbish. But, um, <laughs> People like.
4: Oh, he's breaking up. Sorry. It, what were you Colin, you're
3: breaking up! <laughs>
4: What are you saying, Colin? Just uh, oh, repeat say, he, what I, you said I, last thing. Still oh. breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no.
3: I swear I'm not doing it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> from, Lewis, He's giving a <laughs> positive review. Why do you have to ruin it? Jam <laughs> him! Jam him! <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think... What, while we wait for the connection to get a bit better, why don't we hear what Mike has to say mm-hmm. about the episode?
5: Yeah, well, not surprisingly, from uh, what you've heard me say already, uh, it's a 5 out of 5 for me. Um, Ooh.
0: It's,
5: <laughs> it's, you know, I, it, 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 I don't know, it symbolizes and reminds me why I love Doctor Who, on, on a personal level and just on a level of watching a TV show. Uh, I really did enjoy it that much i think uh you know I, I i I'm trying to remember who said it, but somebody said uh you know i wouldn't want to see this uh, all the time and and I wouldn't want to see this all the time either but but once in a while, I think it's terrific um, mhm. <sighs> And uh, I lost my train of thought. No, I, I it's, uh, yeah, it's just a terrific episode. And I think that this episode has already and will generate more conversation among fans. And that's part of the fun of being a fan. I, I'm pretty sure this is the longest review of a single episode Podshock has ever done. I believe so, yes. <laughs> Probably, yeah. But it's, it's, if-
3: Yeah, Yeah, we have all
1: the positive bits,
3: and and, and we got more to come. We got a couple (laughs) feedback messages that are reviewing this as well. If nothing else, that has to show
5: some kind of success that we all care so much, and I think that's part of what the episode's about, and it's shown in the reaction to the episode. So yeah, five out of five uh, may end up. It's it's, so far, it's one of my top top three of the season with uh, school reunion and Satan. uh, Sorry, school reunion and Impossible Planet. Uh, I'll have to remain to see the next, uh, well, I've seen the next one, but see the last two,
3: mm-hmm. and
5: see where it ends up. But at the moment, it's 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 going to be at uh, pretty close to the top of the ratings for me, for the for the series. Mm. I uh, I mm. can't see it. The buzz hasn't gone away yet, so I don't see it happening anytime soon.
4: Okay. I, so, I, James? I agree with that. Well... I'm going to have to give it uh, four out of five. For... So
3: we're, we're, we're really covering the whole spectrum of fandom here. Well, This, is, well <laughs> <as the laughs> this is why.
4: I was going to say I have to give it four out of five for two reasons. Uh, the first reason was I was going to give it three and a half out of five, but it had Peter K in it. And being a massive Peter K fan, uh, I just thought his performance was fantastic, and that really elevated the storyline. Um... So, for that reason, I'm going to give it four out of five. And as you say, I'm going to be this sort of Simon Cowell. And just to uh, fit everything in nicely, it's going to be one, two, three, four, five from the, <laughs> the reviews in total. So, what does that mean? That's like an average of what, three out of five or something? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's. Oh,
3: none, none of us gave it zero, so that's left out. But otherwise, it covered the whole spectrum. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> Right then alrighty
3: so we're going to come back with feedback and um, there's more discussion about Love and Monsters there so uh, stay tuned for that hello this is Sylvester
1: McCoy, and you're listening to Podshock I'm a jock
2: this podcast is proudly listed at the best podcasting directory on the internet podcastpickle.com We now return you to your regularly scheduled download. Already in progress.
3: The following is a promo for the new Doctor Who podcast, The WhoCast.
4: Hi, I'm Paul Wilson and welcome to The WhoCast. If you're interested in Doctor Who or in Torchwood, then this is the podcast for you. This podcast is produced in conjunction with the London Doctor Who Meetup
0: group. And not only do we discuss all things Who, but we meet on a regular basis. And you can be sure of many interesting and different discussions when we all get together.
4: If you want to know more, subscribe to the podcast or join our meeting group. Then please have a look at our website at www.thewhocast.com.
0: Get ready for the adventure of a lifetime.
4: All right, and we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. It's the feedback section. You've just heard us talking about uh, Love and Monsters, possibly the longest ever review here on Doctor Who Podshock. Um, Joe now has had to uh, disappear, so I just have to say thank you ever so much, Joe, for appearing on the show. We really do value your opinions, and and hopefully we'll uh, hear more from you in the future. Absolutely. Um, But right now, as it's been such a a controversial episode for so many people, uh, we're going to hear Worth's review of uh, Love and Monsters. He emailed us a uh, fantastic... Audio uh, segment, so uh, take it away, Worth.
0: you some sort of absorbathon. An absorb <laughs> Absorbelof. Yes, alive.
6: <laughs> this is Worth with my response to the slightly controversial. Doctor Who episode Love and Monsters. Be warned this does contain a certain amount of mostly indirect spoilers.
0: Interesting. Sort of absorb
6: tricks. Absorb. clone absorb lot. Absorb lot. Yeah. As soon as I finished watching this tonight, I immediately headed to online forums because I I just couldn't wait to see all of the horrified, outraged, bile-filled responses that we would be littering the forums uh, from the traditionalist fans. And man, have I seen just what I was expecting. (laughs) Uh, People... Just denouncing the entire show and Russell T Davies and 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 saying they're never gonna watch it again and and so many overblown ridiculous ridiculous responses. Ah, oh, so much fun. <laughs> it really takes me back to the nineteen nineties where I used to they read so many similar responses to the the Doctor Who New Adventure series from Virgin Publishing, which had some very experimental storylines and really played with what the uh, actual definition of what the show was, if you will. I have to say, I, I liked it a lot. I-, I At the end of the episode, I wasn't exactly sure what I thought of it. I knew I liked a lot of it, and I, li- I knew I liked it as TV, but I wasn't sure I liked it as Doctor Who of course that's exactly why everyone is so outraged and upset by it. It It's just about as far as you can possibly get from a conventional Doctor Who story, yet still it's Doctor Who. For the really traditional Doctor Who fan, it's almost unrecognizable though. Um, I think if you've read the new adventure series of novels um, and to a somewhat lesser degree than BBC books um, then you're a little more prepared for this sort of thing of course if you look at what they've done with the new series ever since 2005 having the ongoing uh, connection with her mother and with uh, Mickey and still tying the series to the present day in a way that was never done in the old series and um, having a sense of consequences and things changing over time and, you know, the way that Sarah Jane comes back and we see how having traveled with the Doctor, having been left by the Doctor and having all this time pass uh, has affected her and it just... Just sort of constantly re-examining the show from different angles and perspectives than we ever used to see in the traditional series, the original series. Um, and now, with this episode, we actually experience the entire story, and in fact retroactively experience some of the events of the new series from the perspective of just some guy on the street who suddenly has dummies and shop windows springing to life and attacking people spaceships hovering over london and all these insane things going on which are all directly or indirectly related to the doctor and sort of perceiving him from the outside uh... from the edge of the experience that the doctor rose has um... and the the perspective we normally have as viewers of the show. We also really get into Jackie's perspective of what it's like to be abandoned, it seems, to her by her daughter, who has just disappeared off in time and space, and occasionally phones home from the future or the past or the other side of the galaxy. So, yeah... uh, very cool i i i liked it a lot um i'm gonna have to give it four out of five tardis grinds um just because you know there wasn't enough of the doctor <laughs> um i mean i should the show because largely because of him to see the doctor uh but uh i it i just thought it was great uh really really very cool, and I'm looking forward to the things that are, have been set up in the previous couple episodes leading inevitably towards uh, what, by now, most of us know is going to happen in the season finale. So, all of those fans out there who are renouncing the show and uh, and foolishly cursing the name of Russell T. Davies, <laughs> um, you guys got to remember... That all of the greatest periods of the show were the ones that had the greatest period of innovation and change. And that is what Doctor Who is at the core. At least I think so. So, anyway, this is worth giving the story Love and Monsters a four out of five. And to Lewis, Ken, and James. I'll see you earlier. Elton, fetch a spade!
4: Interesting review and love the little audio clips in there from the episode.
3: Yes, thank you so much, Worth. And uh, I know Worth had contacted me, and um, I I just wanted everyone to know that just because everyone, you know, people have, and this goes to all our listeners and people on our forums and, uh, you know, everyone involved, that. you know, we all can have different opinions on a certain episode, and one shouldn't, you know, fear expressing your reviews, whether positive or negative, on or any story. So, um, you know, don't worry about how I feel about a particular episode and uh, or any other hosts here. I mean, we all welcome everyone's ideas, and we like to share them here, and that's what Dr. Who Podshock is all about.
4: Absolutely. Uh, I agree completely. Mm-hmm. So, shall we move on to some emails? Emails, emails, emails. Do we have time, sure. Lewis? Or? Uh, we're,
3: we're um, we have a few minutes to do uh, to do some emails.
4: Okay. Do you want to do another Love of Monsters one, or should we just do a completely random one?
3: Um, I don't know. Are we? Are we I think we may be Loved and Monsters out. Yeah, that's death. all I'm thinking. That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> we'll, I'll do, we'll
4: cover that one from Superus for next week. So, okay. There we go. So anyway, we've got an email from Steve Bono, or Bono, and he it's all about The Trial of a Time Lord 2. He says, Hey guys, as usual, great job on your podcasts. I look forward to your show week after week. With the Time Lord stroke Gallifrey apparently out of the picture in the new series, although I'm not completely convinced of this. Well, I don't think anybody is, frankly, but yeah. Uh, what do you think of the idea that some other group will step in to be the dominant species in the universe? Not so much in terms of conquest, but more in terms of being a body that oversees events. They wouldn't need to have to have the ability to travel through time. In a classic series, the Time Lords were well-known to be many species, and probably kept some violent ones in check. Uh, sorry, were well, well-known to... Many species and probably kept some violent ones in check. But now that the time laws are all gone, do you think that there is the possibility of one such species that could catch the doctor, put him on trial, and hold him to, for any responsibility for the side effects, stroke, fallout from the time war, which devastated many of the species and planets? With the doctor being the only known survivor of the time war, some people may want to hold him accountable. I know the original trial season wasn't among the most popular in the classic series, but perhaps a new take on the idea would be nice. It also wouldn't have to span a whole 13-episode series, but maybe a good three or four episodes would suffice. Thanks, Steve. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this, gentleman? Trial of a Time Lord 2?
3: well um i don't know we still i mean as far as um a a species or entity that that will watch over you know uh incidents in time and space and since the time lords aren't there um obviously if we go back to the classic series there's the white and black guardians but uh they didn't really um pass judgment i don't think on on i mean i don't know what role they really did play in the universe and um here in the new series, um, the face of Bo has a, a a certain amount of um, prestige, but he's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he may be the last of his species as well.
4: Mm. Mm. So I,
3: I don't know who would take that role, if if there is any. Right now, the Doctor himself seems to be taking that role, he and he alone. Well,
1: maybe, yeah. maybe they wouldn't take that role. Maybe it would be um, a species that would simply use their control of time and whatever... Is left of it. Instead of policing it, they would be trying to uh, basically take advantage and exploit it. And maybe the Doctor will be the sort of person who would try and stop them. Hmm. Mm.
5: Yeah, I think that that's something a bit different uh, with the new series. They, I really believe they got rid of the Time Lords. To to Russell did that to, to free up the Doctor, so the Doctor can be the man, you know, the man calling the shots, without uh, without a lot of background and baggage and. And such. So it's, it's not something I would see happening anytime too soon. Uh, pinning, either, pinning the doctor down or creating some sort of hierarchy above him or even greater power than the doctor. Cause we have yet to see in the new series. Uh, I mean, I, I like, I think the face of Bo is sort of lurking there, but mm-hmm. we, we haven't seen a lot you know, that, that, that the doctor doesn't think he can handle. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if it's needed at this point. I mean, I guess we'll see how long the the, the new series runs for, and I mm-hmm. think I think those sorts of things will start to happen the longer the show goes for. Sure,
1: because that mm-hmm. Time War has got to have consequences somewhere along the line to give it some meaning, really, hasn't it?
4: Hmm. Well,
1: you know, it, we've we've mentioned this
4: before that obviously it was a, a plot device to bring back Doctor Who and to give the Ninth Doctor some guilt and some character to flesh him out and make him interesting and also to add the mystery, uh, to rejuvenate the mystery back into the Doctor as to who he is and what's this time war all about. And that mystery is still there. So there's certainly the possibility of exploring that. And I think this would be a better way of doing it rather than revisiting the time war itself um, indirectly would to be some form of trial or some form of flashback or something um because I, I, I can't see them doing that going back and and revisiting the time war in any other way and i think it's possible and you know but i think if there is a another so-called dominant species as you say uh that the doctor would come back and and try and fight them to make sure particularly if they're evil you know, to stop them from wreaking havoc upon the universe because the Time Lords, of course, realized that that they, it wasn't their job to interfere in, unless some things had really gone horribly wrong, in which case they had no choice. Um, like if there was a paradox or like if the Daleks were involved trying to take over the universe. But generally speaking, you know, they don't like meddlers and the Doctor was a meddler, so unless someone someone out there can recognize that the doctor likes to meddle then uh you know i i, I don't think there's any possibility for that but certainly it would be very interesting and uh, who knows perhaps uh, something for series 3 or series 4
2: yeah down the road uh,
4: indeed indeed so I take it that we now have no longer we have run out of time, Lewis is that correct yeah,
3: I think so we have plenty more feedback, and um, we 'll get to those in hopefully in the, in our next episode um, so but we want to make sure that feedback keeps on coming. You can email us at uh, at feedback at Gallif- uh, no feedback at dot net uh, you can find our website the Gallifrey embassy uh, dot org or podshock dot net and there 's a little uh, on the top there 's a little um navigation button if you will that says feedback and we'll give you different ways to send us feedback including our uh, Podshock public call box which is 206 888 4 and so and you can also send us feedback through Skype or Gizmo using the name PodChock. so I encourage everyone to send your feedback comments and suggestions and whatever else you like um and hopefully again we can't get them all on the show but we'll try to get as many as we can
1: mm. Okay. All
3: right. So I want to thank everyone for being a part of this really uh, delightful episode of Dr. Who Project. It was a pleasure having many voices on board. Um, we, we are sorry that Ken couldn't join us, but he was part of the show, um, you know, and we're thankful for that. And thank you, to Joe, who had to leave early. And uh, I want to thank Colin and Mike for being part of the show as our guest hosts. And, um, and as always, James, excellent job.
4: Yeah, great job, everybody. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. So I guess come back next week for another exciting episode of Doctor Who Podshock. We'll uh, see you then, and hopefully Ken will be with us too. Mm -hmm. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye Bye-bye. been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run Gallifreyen Embassy.org Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock you can email us at feedback at podshock.net how about a snack you check the fridge. <coughs> <Yeah. laughs> me do we